it's time. It's time. Welcome to episode one. The official episode one of the Battleborn Gaming Podcast. We are back for the first time. It doesn't make a ton of sense. You know, we did this once before and that was episode zero, but we released it. So technically it's kind of like the first episode because it was the first one we did, the first one we released. But this is technically episode one. I am your host, Justin. And I am here with my good buddy, Moser. Moser, how are you? I am doing really good, man. How are you? Great. Great. You know, it's been a long week, long weekend. And uh, man, some stuff has happened since we last met. We have, we've got plenty to talk about uh, as far as gaming, news, everything. There is so much. With as much as we have to talk about, let's just jump right into it. Uh, you know, we like to start off with stuff that we're playing or watching and whatnot. So, Moser, tell me about what you've been doing the last couple of weeks since we last met up. Well, unfortunately, I haven't been playing too many video games. Just uh, Call of Duty here and there for the last maybe week and a half, two weeks. Um, lately, what I have been doing is catching up on some shows that I've been lacking on. One is a book of Boba Fett. I've officially caught up, and I got it. How is that? I haven't watched it yet. It's pretty good. Um, a lot of background, like lore, when in the first couple episodes, and then episode five really kicks off what this whole show is going to be about. And I don't want to give too much away, but um, anybody that's caught up with these recent Disney Plus Star Wars shows, um. One in particular that's pretty big. Um, well, Mandalorian, right? Absolutely talking about Mandalorian. Uh, yeah, episode five. Don't know what I'm talking about when you see it. Like I said, I don't want to give too much away because episode five and episode six are pretty uh, integral to this whole first season. But I would say anybody that's maybe on episode two, episode three, that are kind of on the fence about the show, stick it out. It's definitely worth it. There's a huge payoff in five and six. Also, so it's it's, yeah. it's interesting that that you said that like it's you get to episode six and that kind of like sets the tone for the rest of the season. But I don't remember those seasons being particularly long. Like, wasn't wasn't Mandalorian usually like eight to ten episodes? Yeah, if, if I if I'm correct, I think there's two more episodes for this season. Okay. Um. I'm not 100% sure. I'll have to do some research and I'll come back to you next time on exactly how many episodes they're planning for this season. But uh, as far as I know, probably eight, eight to nine, maybe for the first season. Um, so five really gets in the groove. Six sets it up for why what happened in five is going to go down. And I'm just looking forward to to uh, see what they do for the next couple. Have they just, had any have they had any kind of cool cameos at all? Because. You know, like Mandalorian, and when I say cameos, I'm not necessarily talking about characters. You know, in Mandalorian, you know, some of the cool stuff that we got to see, uh, you know, have they had any kind of cool uh, random actors show up? You know, uh, Mandalorian had Sasha Banks from WWE. There was Bill Burr, the comedian. I think there were some other ones. There were some good little cameos in there. Has there been any, anything like that in Boba Fett? So, episode five. Um, I'll give away this one thing. Timothy Oliphant is back. He was from okay. Mandalorian okay. as the sheriff. Okay. So you see him again. Okay. And there's a massive scene. 
that involves him and it kind of just that's when everything starts to starts to kind of take off where you're like oh what's about to happen is going to be a big 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 deal is this like a prequel or like a sequel to the mandalorian or is it kind of happening parallel to what we've seen so far it's absolutely parallel yeah um basically where mando ended right is where you see him now okay so after he for anybody who hasn't seen it i guess i don't want to give too much away about that show but the very last episode where everything's like final conclusion wipe off your hands it's done yeah um you see him again and they also have i don't know if you remember i don't recall her name on the top of my head i terrible with star wars characters names i just know them when i see them the um the mechanic for mandalorian is back okay um and that's kind of where the whole reason like that he shows, like the, shows the up. kind of crazy old lady right who yeah, yeah, loves yeah. the little her, short one with the fro who loves her droids yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so like that's her. the whole reason he shows back up and then it just goes from there okay okay cool. so they they did a real clean introduction of him it wasn't like oh it's a crossover event you're all waiting for it was more like oh this makes sense why he's where he's at okay yeah yeah i need to check it out man i'm so bad at catching up on shows like my free time when i have it i i just i don't know i can never sit there and watch a show for some reason but then when i do watch it i have to binge it so boba fett is one of those ones that once i get to it i'm just gonna probably sit there and watch the entire thing yeah that's exactly what i did i am the i would say one of the best binge watchers ever because that's what I do. I get into one episode and I'm sunk in for the season. Right on. What else have you been watching, man? Any or playing anything else? Oh, got a couple more. Um, one thing I was super stoked being a massive D and D fan, especially podcast form and video form. Everybody knows Critical Role. Um, yes, they got the Kickstarter. Do you remember the Kickstarter for I their anime series? Kickstarter and it just absolutely oh. blew up. Within 24 hours, they were at I believe two million dollars. Yeah. So you can watch your reaction videos on YouTube. It's it's gold. Like watching them genuinely tear up at how excited they were. Like it just whoo, hits hits you in the heart. So it's a cool get, story. Just, it's yeah. a cool story like them, you know, a bunch of voice actors playing D D. You know, I've got my feelings on on the whole critical role crew as far as like what they've done to D D. I think that's kind of twofold, you know, uh double edged sword, if you will. With they, I think they brought so many eyes to D and D, but I also think that they set, they helped a lot of people have like unrealistic ex- expectations of of what playing that game yeah, is. They know? literally set the bar as high as it could possibly be set. <laughs> you got professionals who can change their voice, act out their character, show real emotion just VO form. Yep. Um, and when you typically go to a D and D game, as both of us know, by playing together and separately, <laughs> it's a piece of paper on the ground that people typically draw on, and you have to use your imagination the whole way. Not everybody yeah, has the money. Like, you know, being a DM is is a huge hard challenge. Yeah. And and Matt Mercer is on okay. another level. So, you know, it, like I said, I think it creates kind of a, a, an unrealistic expectation of what. D is for for new players however it's great because it brought so many new eyes to D. and i mean how many groups of actors came out of the woodwork when critical role got popular like i've been playing since i was 15 years old joe maganello known as one of like the fittest dudes on the earth has been running a campaign with different actors over 20 years 
Well, I mean, then they, they, there was like a lot of like the celebrity D and D, and it had like Terry yep. Crews and Vin Diesel and stuff. And Dimension Twenty came out and did a bunch of their stuff. I also followed NADPOD, one of my, that's probably my favorite to be honest because I've started with them from the beginning. Yeah. Um, they're all from College Humor and Head Headgun Podcasts, and okay. they're I mean they're incredible and they work with Critical Role before like Brian Murphy, the DM for them, has worked with Matt Mercer. They've also gotten together to do Dimension Twenty stuff. It's just it's it's incredible and the amount of like solid ass podcasts D and D related that you can listen to nowadays. You just you'll never go without D and D. Almost not, nothing wrong with that. Navigate through when you're searching. Yeah, I mean, I have my top four. Um, your top four list. So, them. all right. So I'm gonna go with Numero Uno, the big one that everyone knows. Critical Rule. Obviously, you can listen to all of them. Um, subscribe to their Twitch so you can watch them immediately. All that kind of stuff. Number two is NADPOD. You can follow them on Apple Podcast. Anywhere you can get your podcast. It's just, um, so it's N-A-D-D-P-O-D. You can follow them. They're awesome. It's just uh, four actors, comedians. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of lighthearted fun. Gets real serious, but it, you know, it'll hit you in the heart when it needs to. Um, Dungeons and Daddies. That, it's already a hilarious title. It's, it's basically a campaign and the four characters are dads. They're all oh. types of tropes of dads. That's not where that went. That's not where I no. was thinking it was going to go. In their intro, they say, we are not a BDSM podcast. <laughs> but it's run by, not run by, but um, a lot of the people in it are from Rocket Jump, Freddie Wong. Okay. Yeah, I'm familiar So with that. anybody that knows like all the video game turned videos that were on YouTube way back in the day, video game high school. Way back in the day. All of that stuff. They're uh, They're all in it. It's a good time. I'm only on episode eight of the first campaign, but I jumped on their Patreon immediately for five bucks a month. I can listen to all of them. Um, and then I would say number four is called Three Black Halflings. They're all outside of they're part of the Headgun podcast family, but they're all from the UK. Most of them. The DM, I believe, is the only one from the United States. Um, a lot of NADPOD and Dimension 20 guys that you might be familiar with, if you've heard of any of it, have been on the show as guests. Um, they're just a really good, really good, solid D&D podcast with a lot of good guests. And then they have like random podcasts where they describe tropes about D&D and characters and character building and all of that stuff. And it's a good time. So that's when that's my top four. All right. Talk to me about the legends of Vox Machina. What have you so seen? This so is the I've seen the in all up to date on the current episodes every Friday on Amazon Prime since they've released. They released three episodes. Um, you can actually do a watch parties with Critical Role on that day. Is it Twitch. is it free for people with Prime or is it like yeah. you have to pay for it through Prime? Oh, free with Prime. Cool. That's the best part. Uh, but that was the whole reason the Kickstarter happened was to get the animated series. They started recording. COVID hit. Everything got put on hold. And then they finally got a release for this February. Um, I believe there are seven episodes out now six or seven um caught up they're all i didn't realize that much had happened yeah and they're great don't watch in front of your kids there's gore swearing nudity way more nudity for an animated show than you'd expect but if you know anything about campaign one uh scanlan who's uh sam regal's character is a bard who's also a bit of a well let's just say you know he gets he gets with his women and they show it 
<laughs> so what's a TVMA mm-hmm. uh, animated feature? Yep. And it's everything about it. If you've ever listened to their campaign, it's their campaign. It's just drawn out. It's done really well. The art style is beautiful. The music is incredible. But a bunch of actors coming in to play the extra role so Matt Mercer doesn't have to voice every other NPC in the game, which is good. Sometimes you need a female to voice a female role. <laughs> Not Matt Mercer trying his best. <laughs> as, as well do as he know, does. Have, as well as he does. Have, do you know if they've talked any, at all, like how, how long that season's going to be? Because the first, the first campaign of Critical Role was... Wasn't it like two or three years long or was it? I believe it was even longer because campaign one started on Geek and Sundry before Critical Role created their own company. So, I mean, how much is it? Is it the same campaign or is it a different campaign just with that group of characters? So I unfortunately got into Critical Role about midway through campaign two, re-listened to the beginning of campaign two as far back as Spotify at the time would let me. Um, I have once... Once I finished campaign two, because they just started a new campaign three, um, I went back and I've listened to the first couple episodes, which are they're tough to get through because they're in a house, very echoey, um, a lot of stuff going on. So you can, yeah, you just feel like a microphone in the middle of a table, which is what you were. Probably what Um, Geek and Sundry did really well when they switched it over to the video platform, so you can see them all, and they were lined up same same setup they have now, where it's three on top, three on bottom, Matt Mercer on the left. Um. So I haven't gone back and listened to it to see if it's exactly in tow with the campaign. But I know a lot of the characters, a lot of the backstory, all of that, all the characters and backstory you meet throughout the entire series are 100% from the first campaign. So right now you're learning about a handful of the characters, like Dark Secrets and whatnot, what made them who they are. There is a character in the first campaign that helped me it basically inspired me to make my favorite D&D character that I ever played myself um he wasn't in the campaign for very long trying to remember what his name was like what the character's name was on on it he was like a temporary campaign though um just while one of the main characters was I think was being revived or or brought back from the dead. Uh, I cannot remember. Oh, he was such a, a dumb, a dumb but fun character. Uh, and was he, he a bard? Inspired... Huh? Was he a bard? No, I think that he was like a wizard or like a mage. Oh, are you talking about from their campaign? Yes, from their campaign. And it was the character while Scanlan was out. Scanlan was out uh, for I forgot what reason. He may have died yeah. or something like that. And he he introduced a character for maybe twenty episodes, maybe. Yeah, and I think the character's name was uh, like Terry Darrington or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And he was like a, a an artificer, and he was so over the top and eccentric. That watching that character play out, like, it has inspired some of my favorite D and D characters. Typically with bards, just some of yeah. the most out out of the, out of control characters. So Sam Regal has some of the best characters yeah. right now. Campaign three, he's a robot named Fresh Cut Grass. <laughs> and okay. if you know anything about Sam Regal, man, he does a lot with it. I would love to get into 
Critical Role again. It's just that is such a commitment of time, I feel like, because each week that's like four hours. Chunky episodes, about three and a half podcast form. And if you're watching it live on Twitch, it's at least four, four hours, 15, because they have the ad breaks and everything. Yep. Yeah, it's just such a time commitment that it's hard to to do it. Yeah, I luckily with my job, I'm driving an hour and a half a day, one way. A lot of driving in between, a lot of downtime. I listen to, I power through one, two episodes a day. Yeah, that makes sense. I catch up quickly, and then if I'm ever bored and I have, I'm subscribed to them on Twitch. I just throw them up, start watching. I'll get a chunk in at a time. It's just fun to see them, like actually see them play it out sometimes over just listening. Yeah, no, it's because, cool, man, and yeah. and it looks, you know, the the art style looks really interesting. Just the whole thing is so well done that you know I would love to get into it. Like I said, maybe maybe the show is the way for me because the episodes in the podcast are too long. You yeah, know, I each, can get all that stuff through there yeah. without having to, you know, to yeah, commit each, that much time to each it. show is twenty five minutes long. You're watching a you're watching a standard, standard anime, yeah. standard cartoon, whatever. Yeah. So it's not a whole lot to get take in. They don't they're not breaking down every character like you just ran into this person and let me give you the backstory. It's just it's the natural flow of a show. So you can stop, go back, stop, go back. I guarantee you those certain episodes you're going to stop and you're like I need to watch the next one. That's what got me hooked cuz I didn't want to stop. <laughs> um but yeah, all in all super super happy for them all. Super happy the way it came out. Looking forward to so many more episodes. And I wish them nothing but the best and everybody needs to check it out that's at any way interested in it so uh, legends of vox machina on amazon prime so for all of you out there with that that sweet sweet amazon prime subscription you can go watch that one for free i might check that one out i gotta finish i gotta finish fire force and then i gotta finish uh catching up on demon slayer and uh attack on titan even though attack on titan i'm kind of waiting till closer to the end so i can uh, i can binge it and then not have a bunch of downtime between that and the end but gonna add that one to my list it's just there's so much yeah in fact i think what else what else do you have because i feel like we're going to talk some more about some more stuff that i need I, i need to watch yeah last one that i just finished yesterday um i was told numerous times what episode are you on? What episode are you on? Only finished the first one. Took me about a week to finally get back to it and finish it. Was DC's Peacemaker. Peacemaker is a show. If you've yeah. seen, if you've seen the new Suicide Squad, you've seen John Cena dom the stupid shiny chrome helmet. You've seen him talk about his pet eagle. It is forty-five minutes an episode of that the whole time. Just an onslaught. He was probably the dude. best part of that movie. Like one of the best parts of that movie. He is so good. Like I knew he had a good sense of humor. Uh, you know, growing up a wrestling kid, um, he was always a favorite of mine. He was never really a bad guy. Always funny. Oh, just you know, you wanted to hear him talk, kind of like The Rock. You always wanted to hear him talk. Um, his personality and who he really is, like as a human being. As a comedic actor, it's it's great. It's spot on. Um, it's just a continuation from the end of Suicide Squad. So pretty much you saw him get you get he gets shot. Uh, in the movie, right in the neck. Um, and it just continues on from there. So it's, 
from what I saw in the trailer, it's like he goes back home as part of his like uh, recovery from that or whatever. So it kind of shows his dad kind of talking smack about getting shot, doesn't it? Yeah, his dad calls him a bunch of words throughout the entire <laughs> series. His dad, uh, not going to give too much away, is uh, he's not a character. A no, he's terrible. Um, <laughs> very, very terrible. If you recall, when they gave the backstory of Peacemaker in Suicide Squad, it was like his father raised him to be a weapon from the beginning of his life till now. Um, because, you know, they were describing him and uh, Idris Elba's character as well. Basically, yeah. they had the same growing up. But um, the one thing about Peacemaker, if you recall, is he said, in order to keep peace, I don't care how many men, women and children I kill. So obviously there's a huge difference. <laughs> but yeah, his dad, horrible character. The base of the entire six episodes for se uh, season one is pretty solid. Um, they're, they're extra characters, the agents he works with, whatnot. They're, they're, they work all really well together. They were from the Suicide Squad movie. So you'll recognize a lot of them. Um, cool. And then his little teammate, it's probably one of the best parts of the whole show. I'm always say his name. His name's Vigilante, but he's uh he's he's hilarious, and they work really well together because he's like his little sidekick wants to be his best friend, and Peacemaker's like, "Get what the hell are you doing? Get away from me! Don't talk to me!" But he's always around him. Yeah, it's uh it's gory. There's um there's a couple scenes in there that um you definitely don't watch this in front of your kids either. It's uh. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those. It's, it's cool to it's see. Rough. It's cool to finally see like continuity in the DC stuff because yeah, that's you know, they did so much with like the Arrowverse and none of it had any kind of continuity until recently. There was one bit of continuity in Arrow, or not in Arrow in the Flash. They finally did, um, but otherwise, it's been so completely disconnected from the whole DC cinematic universe. It's cool to see some level of continuity there going from the movie to the show. Well, to be fair, I mean, the best thing right now because of all the streaming services and the money just thrown at these companies, look at Marvel on Disney+. Plus. Look at the continuation of all these characters in their own series following typically Endgame. Where were they at, where, where were they at Endgame? Where are they now? What are they doing? What did they do before they got to Endgame? So Disney+, Plus hit it on the head with that. HBO is doing the same thing with DC because that's their, you know, that's their, um, their, their property so oh, they're like yeah. how are we going to do just as well as them and get people interested in dc which i mean if you really look at it there's a huge difference between marvel dc so yeah. they did perfect just like disney did with star wars look at mandalorian look at boba fett i mean they're all well they, they all disney finally came do, up with a solid disney formula had to do well with star wars because they had to kind of fix some of the the problems that they caused with the movies yeah but um, the thing is like I think Disney laid laid the foundation for continuity and how to branch off into your own series. And yeah. HBO caught on and they're like, oh, that's easy. And they did a really good job. And whoever was the first to start that, I thank them because it makes watching these series way easier. I feel like it kind of happened all at the same time because for mm -hmm. a long time, there wasn't a ton of continuity between, you know, the Marvel stuff, even though they tried to with like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Nobody yeah. watched Agents of Shield, you know. But then there was all the Netflix shows, and there was zero continuity in that until very recently. And now there's a lot of continuity from the Netflix stuff, which is awesome to see. It's it's fantastic that everything's just coming together. 
I sincerely hope because I loved I loved Suicide Squad. So I look forward to watching Peacemaker. And I just hope that DC doesn't give up as quickly as they have every time in the past. Yeah. You know, because the problem is, is you know, they had Batfleck, who I I personally I love Ben Affleck as Batman. So do I. So do I one hundred percent. I know a lot of other people disagree with me and and their opinions are wrong and, and I'll forgive them. But you know, I'm also looking forward to seeing Robert Pattinson as Batman. However, it's confusing when you have this version of Batman, that version of Batman. You know, they keep rebooting, they keep redoing things. Oh, this isn't part of this universe. Oh, this Batman movie is going to be in the Joker's, you know, the Joker movies universe. You know, nothing connects. And and I think that they just need to stick with what they're doing. Let it work itself out over time. And look at you know you're gonna get yeah. more fun experiences like you did with Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. Let me look at Superman, Brandon Routh to Henry Cavill, and then Brandon Routh comes back and he's what the Blue Beetle. Well, so, yeah, and, and he's also in a bunch of like the the in Legends of Tomorrow shows. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, how are you gonna have the same guy play multiple characters in the DC universe and not think people are gonna be like, I don't like this. Why are you doing this? <laughs> like it just doesn't make sense and like there are certain characters from dc that were played by certain actors that i kind of wish could cross over but because of companies and their whatever like you can't do this and can't do that with that character like uh gotham gotham had yeah, solid ass characters like the penguin that dude to play penguin dude he's that was a solid ass portrayal of uh penguin and then the dude, kid to play joker who's also in the show shameless yeah like that was a great joker but of course, because it was um, Fox, they could never announce that he was the Joker. Well, it's like with the Flash, you know, when they, they first announced that the Flash was not going to be, um, I forget his name, but the kid who plays Barry Allen on the CW is the Flash. You know, yeah. I was upset about that because I thought he was, oh, he's the perfect Barry Allen. And then, you know, after seeing what they did with um, the the new kid, I can't remember his name either. You know, I, I think that, you know, the the, the casting is appropriate, but on an, on an episode of The Flash, he showed up. Mm -hmm. You know, so there was that kind of crossover between the two Flash. There was acknowledgement that there was multiple Flashes. And, and so, you know, it, it's cool that they're starting to do that. I hope they continue that path because they're only going to strengthen their own cinematic universe yeah. by creating those bonds with their own properties. So. Best thing about comic books, man, and it's the best way to interlock any characters from any TV shows. There's always a multiverse. Yep. Yep. Throw the multiverse at Marvel's, it and Marvel's it'll shake itself the out. Multiverse, you know, yeah. yeah. Look, I mean, just throw the multiverse at it and you'll be fine. You don't even need explanation. Nope. Just be like, oh, that's uh, me from this place. Oh, all right. Throw in some sort of quip, some sort of joke, some sort of something, and there you go. Yeah, that's it. That's um, that's been my week, week and a half of catching up with shows. So I had something interesting to talk about. Um, solid, solid shows all around, all four of them. I uh, recommend it. I recommend these shows to anybody. Anybody that's into any of this stuff, comic books, Star Wars, D and D, any kind of nerdy stuff like that. Check them out. They're all worth it. I gotta check them out. You know, I'm going away for a weekend uh, here pretty quick with my wife and that's usually like, you know, her and my opportunity to to just hang out and hide away and catch up on some shows like this. 
So we'll pick one or two. We'll try to get through some of them, I think. You know, I, I would definitely want to check them out, but yeah. All right, my turn. And uh, I haven't played a ton, but what I have played, I have played a ton of. And uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus came out. Oh boy, that is a game. Um, so growing up, I grew up, you know, as a Pokemon kid, I had it from the age of like nine, you know, I used to battle, I used to take, make card decks and go take them to the local card shop and I'd battle in tournaments and stuff. So you, you know, not to cut you off, but you actually played the card game. You didn't oh, just yeah. collect them. See, oh, no, 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 no. Me, I collected the cards. I loved them. I kept them all nice and shiny in the little envelopes. Uh, the only card game I played as a kid was Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh. Never Every touched, Saturday, never played Pokemon. Every Saturday, my buddy Keith and I would get dropped off at our local card shop. And we would play in a tournament for $5 every Saturday. And the winner would get like 50 bucks. And back then, you know, at our age, back, you know, yeah, that was that was a lot of money. And so was four movies and popcorn nowadays, ten dollars. No, it was more than that. Movies weren't that expensive back then. Well, I always played Yu-Gi-Oh right next to our movie theater. So, yeah, no, I used to go. I used to go and do tournaments. I won a couple. It was really cool. Um, you know, I, I've been playing Pokemon forever, but ever since like Pokemon Crystal came out back on, I think, the first DS, it's just felt so stagnant. You know, every game I've played every one of them except for like black two, black and white two. Um, but they've all been so stagnant. They never were progressing. With Pokemon Legends, it feels like finally we made that step forward. You know, it, it's finally like that more open world. I don't want to say it's open world because it's not necessarily open world, it's like different areas. It's open world in like the way the Monster Hunter games are open world. You go to like an area and that area is open to explore. And you can just see Pokemon in the wild. And that's something that I've always wanted to see ever since I was a kid was just go and, and, and find a Pokemon in the wild. This is the first game in so long that I audibly gasp when I, I was walking over a hill. My character's walking. I crest over this hill. And on the other side, I see uh, a Psyduck. And just the excitement for some reason, I've seen the Psyduck in a, in a river or like in like this creek. You know, I audibly was like, I, I didn't, I couldn't believe it for some reason. It, it blew my mind. You know, the game, honestly, it looks like hot dog shit, but like everything else, like visually, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not a 2022 game, but the way that they took Pokemon and finally brought it into a more modern setting, like not even setting. Cause it's, it's really based on like ancient times you know, ancient Pokemon, the way that they, um, they modernize the gameplay of it is so fantastic. I sincerely hope that this is like the skeleton for every Pokemon game going forward. Oh, I'll, you know, I'll tell you open yeah. world experience yeah. where you can just, I can just bring out my Pokemon and they can just hang out with me for a little bit. So good. Yeah. Watching you stream has definitely piqued my interest in buying it. Um, I wasn't super interested. I I played, obviously, I played the OGs, the regular yellow, red. Um, I played silver and blue. Um, I kind of dropped off after that. 
when I started, got, we got my PlayStation One. I was kind of off it's to the races. Silver and blue. Like, silver and gold. Silver and gold. That's what I meant. I said silver and blue. Huh? <laughs> the first ones were red and red and blue, and then yeah, yeah. silver. And gold. Well, yellow. What about yellow? Because that's the one Pikachu on it. That's we the one don't I talk had. about yellow. We don't talk about yellow because the yellow first, is an abomination the, of a Pokemon. That was game. the first one I played. Oh, oh and then no I, wonder, and then no I had yeah. stuck with it then. And then I had silver, and I had silver after that. I never got red. Oh, I wanted yeah. red. Oh, yeah, silver was solid. Um. But I always played those games. I enjoyed them. I've played, you know, I played Pokemon Go on my phone when that craze was going. That was awesome. Like seeing them out in like, you know, yeah, the vir- virtual reality I'm version. And you're just game, like, catch though. them. And you're like walking around. It's a gym up on your, the hill. Like that was awesome playing that. Um, what was that one we played on the Switch? Where it's like I played um, a bunch of Pokemon Unite. Yeah, that Pokemon was Unite. That was, game. that was a solid game. But watching you play that when you were walking around. And all of a sudden, Snorlax was just chilling on the ground. And you're like, yeah, I could go catch him. And I was like, so literally Pokemon are just scattered over this yeah. entire area. And you can just catch whatever you want. And, f- and then all of a sudden, you were fighting one. And I was like, what is yeah. going on? I was like, that's what and- I want. Because I want that to transfer. Think about this, man. This will blow your mind. Transfer that to a VR headset. I don't know. Like VR is cool, but I don't know that it's there for that sort of thing. Graphically, you could probably do it. Because like I said, the game doesn't look good. It looks, it looks on par with a VR game. Yeah, that's you know, pretty chunky um, walking. That walking was oh, chunky. Oh, there's so many visual issues with it. Like yes, the water. On the water. Like the <laughs> water is terrible. Just like I don't have anything positive to say about the visuals, especially when a game like Pokemon Unite has come out and Pokemon Unite looks so clean. Yeah. Um, this is is it's really disappointing to look at the game, but the gameplay and the content are is so good, you know. It's everything that, you know, you really wanted. You know, there's quests. You know, I really wanted a Pokemon game that was like Skyrim. And this is basically it. There's quests that you can go do. There's different areas like locations, biomes, you know, time, you know, the night and day cycles, different Pokemon come out. You know, it's, it is a little bit, you know, the Pokemon just kind of stand there. They just kind of sit there, you know. Yeah. Uh, they're, not, they're not super active, you know, or as active as I would want. You know, but as far as like this, this definitely feels like a first game of this type. So I'm hoping that they just take this recipe and continue expanding what they can do with it. Because, you know, just the the concept of walking out and just throwing a Pokemon and catching a Pokemon versus having to battle it every single time, it feels more natural. You know, it's funny though, thinking about it because, you know, in the game, like one of the best strategies to catch Pokemon hide in the tall grass, and then throw a Pokeball at its back. So it's funny that in this game, which is supposed to take place like in like ancient Sinnoh, um, so, you know, way before any of the, the, the more current games, you as the human hide in the tall grass to catch Pokemon. And then like red and blue, they talk about how don't go in the tall grass, that's where Pokemon hide, yep. and they attack you there. So it's it's weird when you think about it. I don't think this was intentional, but if you think about it, if the game based on ancient Sinnoh has you hiding, the Pokemon learned your tactics to survive. They got tired of getting caught or getting ambushed by your your you know by you attacking them with their Pokemon. Yeah. That they started hiding in the tall grass now. And that's you know, it's it's interesting to think about like, did that change the whole you know, is that what changed the whole flow of how Pokemon work? And it's like full because, circle of you now in the present game kicked off what happens in the past games. 
and I haven't quite finished it yet. I'm getting toward the end. You know, I'm getting toward the end. I haven't quite finished it yet. Honestly, like it's 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 wild because you know people say, oh, there's nothing to do in the game. I don't care. You know, so many people are like me, and we just hang out in that first area, the Obsidian Fieldlands, and just max out the Pokedex that you can get there. You know, I'm sitting there looking for like rare Pokemon that you can just go to the next area and find easily. No, no, no. I want to get them there because it's rare here. And the way that they do the Pokedex is so much more engaging because the big difference between like this game and the the other Pokemon games, this one does not have a heavy emphasis on battling. You know, this one is primarily about catching and learning and studying the Pokemon. So, you know, one Pokemon's, you know, Pokedex entry, everyone you have to start out and then you have to like level up your Pokedex entry, but you can do that by like feeding them, defeating them, catching so many, you know, so you can find, you know, uh, let's say like a Turtwig and you can sit there and throw a couple berries, feed it a couple of times. You know, if you're hiding in the bush, then you, you catch it without it seeing you right there. You've accrued enough points to max his Pokedex entry out. You know, and so it's cool because it's not necessarily focusing on the battle. It's focusing on the the actual raising of the Pokemon and, and, and going through and creating that Pokedex. It's made the Pokedex something that was an afterthought for me in every other game yeah. to like the primary thought. And I think that's really cool. I would like to see them kind of continue to adopt something like that, but include the traditional like the battling and the gym battles and all that stuff. I still want to see all that, those things. But just for what this game is, like I said, it looks terrible, but the gameplay is so, so good. I cannot get enough of it. You know, I just, I keep going back to it. I haven't, like I said, I haven't beat it, but I'm going to. And I'm still like just addicted to finding the new Pokemon. I'm addicted to filling out that Pokedex, you know, looking for the alpha Pokemon. The alpha Pokemon are one of the coolest things they've added in a long time. I wish that they would have like done something visual to differentiate them a little bit more other than them just being like really big versions of the pokemon you know maybe different colors or markings something maybe yeah. not shiny every time but something uh but just like you know i've got a whole party of alpha pokemon and that's so cool you bring out pokemon that are twice the size of anything else you know some yeah. of the quests you're giving people pokemon and it's really cool because if you give them an alpha pokemon now you're going to have like this gigantic onyx sitting in your village you know, I've got a gigantic uh, uh, like parasect sitting in my village that somebody wanted. So you can give everybody like the, the alpha version of the Pokemon and you can catch any Pokemon. There's an alpha version of every Pokemon. So it's just really cool to kind of see those things in the overworld. You know, I don't know. They just I, I really think they nailed it with this one. Um, I really hope that, you know, for the next one, they keep this going and they just improve the you know the the visual aspects of the game because it, it's it's not yeah. great but everything yeah. else about the game is so good yeah those visuals are lacking and it's the uh, first time that a pokemon game had a like an engaging story but i like you know, i can't tell yeah. you the last time i actually paid attention to a pokemon game story yeah what i like about what you're saying is the original games were all about get your pokemon beef up your Pokemon, maybe get like two or three more, beef them up, go to the next gym, beat them, go to the gym, beat them, get your gym badges, beat them, beat them, beat them, you're done. This one is more like what the whole card game was solely based on was collecting, hence the gotta collect them all. 
the yeah. tagline of Pokemon, they really it seems like they really kind of steered into that direction. Well, that for was this the game. tagline for the card game, but it was you got to catch. Yeah, but I'm say- yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it seems like they steered more back into that, which is yeah. good because now the game is based so like not solely, but a huge chunk of it now is the collection of them. The the right. the, the the raising them, watching them evolve, and all of that stuff. Versus oh, and the evolving the the scene where you're evolving a Pokemon, yeah. so much better than it's ever been, and so much cooler than it's ever been. I was gonna been. ask Actually, you because I have evolved a Pokemon. I never caught while watching you stream it. I didn't catch any evolve like any any evolves. Yeah. So I was like, I'm wondering what that looked like. But there, and there, you know, with that too, like there's a lot of quality of life improvements that they made. You know, before whether you hit a certain level or whatever the Pokemon's evolution, you know. um Whatever their their trigger was, it just happens in the in the old games. You can always like press B to stop it until the yeah. next time or whatever, you know. But in this one, you get to choose. Like it says, "Hey, this this Pokemon's available to evolve. Do you want to do it?" You know, and you can just go and do it whenever you want to. And I think that's really cool. I like um, that, you know. And, and so yeah, it, it's cool because you know that you're right. The catchphrase was "Gotta catch them all," and finally that feels important. It never felt important to me ever since the first game. You know, you start out in the first game talking to Professor Oak. He's talking about the Pokédex, blah, 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 blah. But then it immediately becomes a grind to just do the the gyms. You know, even when with, with streamers, you know, most people who stream the Pokémon games are doing, like, Nuzlocke challenges. Yeah. has nothing to do with the Pokédex. This is the first time that a game has really focused on the Pokédex. And it's inc- for me, it's really engaging gameplay. I do wish to get a version, you know, down the road that has more of a sweet middle ground between the two because I do miss having battles. I do miss like the EVs and, you know, the stats really mattering because when you're not playing other players or you're not playing like difficult battles, realistically, it doesn't matter what your Pokemon's nature is. You can just do whatever you want. You know, there's, there's a lot of depth in Pokemon battles. And it's funny that the one game that has like nothing to do with it is the one game that makes me want to interact with those features more than ever and it doesn't have them you know so i'm really hoping that down the road we get a pokemon game that's that's just like this but expanded into having those gyms having you know the the random battle encounters you know multiplayer battles all those things i want i i want this to be how they make pokemon games going forward i just want to see those improvements you know visually and just with those added features yeah I agree from everything I've watched. Um, all the YouTube clips, all the Twitch clips, everything. Watching you stream, what you're saying makes sense. Um, graphically, obviously, I hope that improves. Um, it would be cool if, like, is there is there multiplayer right now or no? Oh, this is a straight okay. solo game, 100%. Ima- yeah, I was going to say, imagine multiplayer. You run into somebody and they're like, want a battle. Or it's like a duel in, like, World of Warcraft or something. You know, well, that so would be in, awesome. In Sword and Shield, they did a really cool thing where... They did like the wild area, I think it was called, and and you could go in and do like these uh, these massive di- Dynamax battles, and it'd be like you and four trainers doing that. I think it'd be really cool to have like that sort of thing, like the Dynamax Pokemon, um, and, and you could do the multiplayer similar to like a Monster Hunter game. You know, party up, and you're gonna go out and try to, you know, you're gonna go and try to defeat the Dynamax Pokemon. You know, yeah. and and they could they could very easily. Copy what Monster Hunter World and Rise did and turn that into a Pokemon 
situation, and I think it'd be totally fine. I think everybody expected this game to be a Monster Hunter light, and now they're realizing it's it's nothing like that. But I think that there's a lot that they could learn from the Monster Hunter games to implement good multiplayer into these games going forward. Yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be cool. Cool. So uh, I need to get a refill of water real quick. So what do you think about a quick break before we get into the news? I'm totally okay with that because I've been slamming this water since we started. (laughs) All right. Let's go grab a drink real quick. We'll be back here in about a minute and uh, we're going to get into some news and uh, there's a lot to talk about. So uh, I will see you in just a minute. All right. Perfect. And we are back, and it is time to talk about the news. And boy, there's a lot to talk about here. There's a lot that's happened since the last time that we met up and and talked about some of this stuff. And I want to come straight out and just say, rest in peace, Google Stadia. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it sounds like Google is quietly getting rid of Google Stadia, renaming it. Uh, Google Stream, and it sounds like they are planning to basically take everything that Stadia was and start like more or less selling it, selling that technology and access to that technology to other companies. Um, I know that they were using it like they had put a game on Peloton bikes, and uh, apparently that's that's the whole new thing now. So like they're not really focusing on progressing google stadia they are just uh they are just going to be selling that 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 technology to other companies which i don't know i thought that was pretty i can't say i'm surprised google is one of those companies that loves to start a project and then completely dump it so i'm actually more surprised that they're not completely dumping it you know dumping it i'm actually more surprised that they're not completely dumping it and they're just kind of rebranding it and changing the plan with it because the technology is good from what I understand. I, I don't know a single person who, who uses Stadia. I've only heard of a couple people and they played it in the beginning because it was this big flash in the pan. Oh my God, this is going to revolutionize everything. And then after a month, they were like, yeah, I don't touch it anymore. Um, I mean, I, you, you mentioned like technologies that Google has started and not followed up with and or completed it. I mean, remember Google Glasses? Yeah, the big thing with that. Oh my God, Google Glass is going to take over the world. And then you didn't hear people after like what six months, maybe. Did you ever see anybody walking around with one? No, the only person that I know who has uh, Google Glass is Doctor Disrespect, and he's got the prototype specs. So, you know, Uh, no, for real though. Like, I don't think that Google is going to just completely pull the plug on it. But I don't think that you know. I think it's obvious that Stadia didn't pay off the way that Google thought it was going to. You know, they were taunting this as like the the console killer. And and Sony just announced that PlayStation 5 has been selling gangbusters. You know, this, uh, the Nintendo Switch just reached like number four or five on the all-time consoles list. You know, consoles aren't going anywhere. And I, I think that there's a lot of problems with Stadia that... We just weren't ready. I think that, you know, these services might be a little bit, especially Stadia, because Stadia was fully cloud. It's just a little bit ahead of its time. You know, a lot of places in this country still have data caps. 
a lot of places in this country do not have access to a, a good high speed internet connection. You know, I know that when we lived in Washington, we had to pay Comcast a completely separate amount just to not have a data cap on our home internet. Jesus, I didn't even know that. Yeah, we had to because we both worked from home and then I do all my stuff online. There was no chance. We were smashing through that that data cap in a week. You know, so we had to pay $50 extra just to have unlimited data, you know, access on our home internet. It made no sense whatsoever. Um, and, and it just, it's, I think that those sorts of issues really caused issues for Stadia, you know, really expanding past their core group, you know, their, their core user base. Um, whereas, you know, they, they have competition like, you know, xCloud, you know, xCloud is just a feature of Game Pass. You know, it's just part of Game Pass. It is not necessarily, uh, it's not necessarily anything, you know, it's not its own separate thing. It's just its own, it's just, you know, it's a feature of. Then you've got like GeForce Now. GeForce Now is also, it's mostly own thing, you know, and so, but it's it's not completely reliant on just the cloud. And, and so I don't, I I, I can't, I can't say that Stadia was ever really I don't want to say it was doomed from the start, but I don't think that it, it the time was not right for it. You know, yeah, especially I could agree with that. what I understand, I think they got into a bunch of legal issues with their 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 teams that were creating. Um it just sounds like, you know, there was nothing but problems with it. And Google loves to to drop stuff and, and so you know, it is what it is. You know, the the Google, I really think that when Google announced Stadia, it was one of those times where they came out all hyped up for it. And then, you know, it, it's oh. it's just. The one thing reading um, a couple articles or whatever about it that I really like personally um, is the Peloton thing. At first, I kind of glossed over it and I was like, ah, oh, that's kind of funny. Um they're turning something that's supposed to be cloud gaming into a, another like exercise app. <laughs> but with people that can't, let's say you can't afford a Peloton bike yourself, but you have a free, maybe pro provided by work or in your apartment complex or what, what have you, um, an area where you can actually go and do these exercises, the equipment you need to do these exercises, but you need somebody to push you. Maybe you're single. Maybe you don't have anybody that goes to the gym. Maybe you prefer to do it by yourself, whatever. Um, having the option of just accessing the cloud via your phone to a trainer through Peloton. Because Peloton, from what I know, their trainers are they're incredible trainers. There's a vast amount of knowledge, playlists, what, what, whatever you need to get through a good workout. And I think that that would be utilized a lot. Because people would just bring it with them wherever they want. Maybe they want to do body weight exercises. They could do it outside at a park. But they have yeah. a guideline of what they need to do. And they pay their subscription. And boom. I mean, you're using the technology for good. Um, instead of letting it just uh, collect dust. So I'm on board for that. I mean, for this, sure. this, was a, this was a game that was on the Peloton bikes. So I, I don't know that it had anything to do with like the training and all that stuff. I think it was more just... Um, well, I, I know like there's, thing. there's like, there's lap games, there's timed 
there's weight like how much weight you lifted in whatever rep kind of thing where you there's a leaderboard how much i don't know about exercise stuff <laughs> well it's just there's all kinds of stuff on peloton so that game could have encompassed all of that maybe it's who who completes the most steps in a day and i've seen there thinking that people are playing like temple run on their bike no. which by the way that would work you know anybody yeah, wants I to mean, buy that idea, you can't really run on a bike can't really go left and right on the peloton. Oh, you can lean. You there. just put a little motion sensor and you lean a little bit. You know, and it, yeah. it makes like a two thousand dollar, like a two thousand dollar exercise bike, a five thousand dollar exercise bike, for uh, <laughs> with with tempo run. Hey, but, but like, it's got yeah, Mario I mean, run. <laughs> that Spider Man run game. I full. Yeah. I love that hey, game. That was too. good. That's good. That was a solid game. For one of those endless runner games, that was pretty good. That was my favorite because you fought the Green Goblin all the time. <laughs> um, but like. The pedometers, I mean, they're on everything, your Apple Watch, your phone, um, any smartwatch, any smartphone has one. So they had like leaderboards for that where you have an hour to see how many steps you can get in. Right. Um, and you would get like three month subscriptions or gear or a shirt or a water bottle or whatever. And if that's the game they're talking about, that's promoting people to get out there in the world, be healthier. I can't complain about it. I'm glad they're using it for good and not just letting it sit. That's, that's, you know, my, big- that's my thing. The big thing that I'd be interested to see is is this would be a good opportunity for Google to partner with like a company like Sony to kind of give Game Pass, um, you know, maybe a little bit of a challenger. Because right now there's nothing challenging Game Pass. You know, imagine if Google Stadia and Sony partnered together to make a cloud gaming ex- experience. That would be a game changer. I can't really see it happening, but I think that that's kind of the route that Google's wanting to take their technology and just, you know, and basically license it out to these larger companies. So we'll see what happens with it. I honestly, I don't think that there's any big loss. I don't know a single person who consistently plays Stadia. Like you said, it was mostly one of those things where they played it for a little bit when it, when they first got it and then they never saw it again. And, and, you know, I know people that have literally a box of the controllers and they just never touched them. Yeah, one of those so, flash it in the pans that we're going to see. We're going to see it come back in a couple of years and it's going to be totally different. And we'll be like, whatever. Whatever happened, maybe, and then all of a sudden, maybe. Get more mind. Either way, for the time being, rest in peace, Stadia. Um, hardly knew you. Didn't care. So <laughs> we're going to move on to that one. And, uh, you know, Stadia's gone. Yep. All right, Moser, what else? What, what's next? All right, so we've got a big announcement from Xbox Game Pass UK on some consumer changes for the better. So first things first is back in the day when you bought a 12-month subscription to Xbox Live. You were never able to, if you canceled, you didn't get any sort of refund or anything like that. You paid well, for what you, you just canceled paid for. 12 months. Yeah. You basically, if you just paid like paper one of those cards from Walmart or whatever, you had the 12 months and that was that. Um, and then, of course, there would be the recurring charges afterwards if you signed up for it and whatever. Now, if you do sign up for like a 12 month subscription and decide to cancel, let's say three months in, you get a prorated refund for the remainder of the nine months. So that's it. Yeah. Never happened before. Something that should be happening, to be honest, because like, what if you jump onto like uh, any kind of pay to play service and you you play for a month and then all of a sudden you can't do it. You're just kind of like you're stuck. So now you're able to jump out whenever you want. And then um, I'd heard about that. Like I had heard about like these changes. I didn't know that was one of them. Like I didn't realize that they were also going to be giving like prorated refunds, which is rad. Like the only thing I knew about it was that they were going to basically be like alerting customers to like an auto renew was coming up. Like I know that some places do it. 
uh, I mean, like giantbomb.com. If you have a, if you're a premium subscriber to Giant Bomb, they will notify you like a week ahead of time saying, "Hey, your auto your renewal is coming up. You're going to get charged this much." It was one of the only companies I've ever seen do that, and it sounds like that was like one of the big changes as well. I had no idea about a uh, a prorated refund or anything like that. That's awesome. Yeah, and then like they provide information on the auto renew, like you were saying. I mean, that right there a lot of people don't know like subscriptions get yeah. tossed to the wayside and all of a sudden you're like what am i getting charged 49.99 for oh it's a six month subscription re-up that you didn't want that you don't use. every year with amazon prime it just, uh, so, it just shows up one day i don't even realize it either <laughs> um <laughs> so you get the auto renew alerts it provides you with information immediately how to get a refund if you didn't want it to auto renew rather than going through all kinds of hoops because sometimes it takes forever if you're lucky you get it like i don't know anybody that's ever really won that battle but now it's like if it's accidentally renewed, accidentally renewed, you're going to get the refund. One of the other um, cool things is like, I mean, if let's say you get 12 months, you're playing for a month, you have a lot of activity and then you're just inactive for a while. So they can put the account in inactive mode, like they'll automatically do it if they notice that there's no activity. They're going to halt the account. So basically freeze to the last day you played. Right. So the last time you showed activity and then all of a sudden they see this gap of inactivity, you're going to freeze it and halt it, send you an email, send you some information saying, are you inactive? Do you want to cancel right now? This is the prorated amount you're going to get back. If you start using it again, it'll happen. It'll start that moment you start using it again. So you got that halted chunk of time. If you like, let's say something happens and you're away and you just can't access it. Um, they're giving you that option to either cancel or they're going to be like, are you, basically, like, it just kind of reminds me of an e email alert like Netflix. Are you still watching? You know, you're inactive. You're gone. Don't ask me that question. Yeah, right. I'm I always, know, this this just sounds cool. You know, like, this just sounds like more good consumer moves by Microsoft. Even though, like, I know that this was kind of spurred on by, like, the UK's, what is it? Like, the Competition and Markets Authority or something like that. Like, I don't know. They had they, they had some sort of government-like authority that that push them into doing this, but I, I sincerely hope that this is something that isn't exclusive to the UK because yeah, like this change yeah. is so positive that I, I just, I, yeah, I hope that they, they make this just is this everywhere. Yeah. This needs to be a worldwide like order. Cause like, if you know anything about the UK, there's papers, documents and companies that do every little thing. You got to move dirt. You got to go through a company. So it kind of makes sense that they're starting in the UK. Because yeah. literally every well, a lot of countries just have better they just have better consumer protection laws than the US yeah. does. Yeah. We don't have a lot. You know, there's there's countries like Australia that have insane consumer protection laws that, you know, I don't know. I'm hoping that this this is such good press for Microsoft that hopefully this continues in and just yeah, just goes worldwide for them because this is huge. So yeah, you're not you're never going to feel like you were burned by Microsoft again. Be like, ah, I didn't need it for like a couple months, but yet here we are. And then yep. pissed off, but you're still going to buy it. because that's what happens. <laughs> Speaking of burned by Microsoft, our next story that we want to talk about is. Uh, got cats walking across my lights. Um, you know, with Microsoft making a bunch of big acquisitions recently, you know, they bought Bethesda, they bought uh, Activision most recently. Sony coming out swinging with a gigantic blockbuster acquisition. 
Sony bought Bungie for $3.6 billion. And the crowd goes mild. Yep. You know, the head... <sighs> I don't... I guess they needed to do something like this. They needed something because they did not have I, I, like anything really. You know, now they at least have their shooter. They have their competition to, you know, Call of Duty now. And, and so I guess that's why this happened. I feel like they overpaid $3.6 billion for a, a developer who made one game. Like, yeah, they created Halo, but they made, like, they made Destiny. That, that's it. So, my point of view. Um, first off, obviously, Sony was going to buy some sort of developer. Microsoft can't have them all. They don't want them to have them all. So, it kind of makes sense that that's one of the next ones that jumped on, because, like, Destiny 2 is getting kind of popular again, from what I've gathered. I've never played a game, to be honest with you. Maybe I should try it out. Um, they're, they're fantastic. I got, they I got maybe like two hours into the first one. Um, yeah, I never really had a lot of people that wanted to play it, so that would be why. Um, what I like is the whole keeping them independent. So, reading through a couple articles, some of the news clips I've seen, um, Sony has come out and said numerous times, We are letting Bungie do everything and promoting their game in any way they need to, sending it to anybody they need to. And they're still an independent company. They're just under the umbrella of Sony. And we're going to give our them access to all of our stuff to create whatever they want to create. So basically, Sony opened the gates to Bungie to their, you know, whatever they need. And it was just like, have at it. Do what you need to. Please create the next best game. So we say we can, you know, we can say we won. But yeah, <laughs> but that doesn't mean, I don't know, like, I would not. I would not expect that to mean that Destiny 3, whenever that happens, is going to be on Xbox. You don't pay, you know, just like, you know, with Microsoft, you don't pay billions of dollars to have your game, you know, have games available on other platforms. You know, this is this is a reactionary move, even though they probably won't want to admit it. This is absolutely reactionary. And, you know, while Destiny 2 content is most likely going to continue happening on Xbox and whatnot. I can't imagine that Destiny 3, whenever that actually does happen, is going to be on Xbox. What I can just, yeah, what I can see they did is they dropped the, they're going to continue to be independent, release these games on whatever they want, get everybody like, oh, sweet, nothing's going to change. Can't wait for the next one. Give them all the capabilities to create a badass Destiny 3. Then as soon as there's videos rolling out, just imagine Sony drops a kibosh and is like Sony exclusive. I don't think the, no, I don't, I don't think that would happen. I don't think that's good business. And I don't think that that's what they're in there to do. I, I think that what we'll start seeing is after the next, you know, with the next um, release and I, we don't know the contract situation. Maybe there's contracts stopping them from doing this, but if there is more expansion content for Destiny 2, I would not be surprised at all if it's exclusive to PlayStation for 3, 6, 12 months, whatever, and then it comes to Xbox. But I 100% believe that Destiny 3, whenever it happens, will be an exclusive title on Sony's platforms. You know, like I said, you don't pay billions of dollars to just have your game everywhere. 
you know, especially with Sony. Sony has been the one who pushed back on crossplay. They yeah. have been the most unwilling to play ball with anybody else. I just can't see them. You know, I think that they're saying this right now just to kind of help build some good press. But I do not expect to see a, a Destiny 3 or whatever they come out with after this on, on anything other than Sony. Yeah, would, I think, I think we're actually, we agree on that. That's what I was saying is Sony is opening the floodgates to Bungie now of like, do what you need to here. And then right. as soon as Bungie comes up with the next big thing, it's going to be an exclusive. I do think that I, I do think that they're going to put a lot more emphasis on the competitive multiplayer side of Destiny. Yep. You know, they've always had the Crucible and, and people apparently love the Crucible. Um, it was never my thing, but I, I have a feeling that, you know, they're going to use this. Maybe they'll maybe they'll have maybe they'll give Bungie. Um, what was that game that they uh, kill zone? Maybe they'll give Bungie kill zone. Maybe this is what they're doing because the shooting in the shooting in the Destiny games is is flawless. It is so good, so tight. The the mechanics Destiny Two is is a masterpiece. Um, you know, so I, it's a good acquisition. I, I just think that three point six billion is probably quite a bit, and it really is just a okay, cool. You bought Bungie, maker of one game. Sounds good. I think the most, you know, the funny part about it is, you know, Bungie started out creating Halo, which is a Microsoft exclusive title. And now they are owned by Sony. Well, once 343 took over Halo, that was kind of <laughs> it for them. Yep. Yep. It's like so, 343 and Sledgehammer and it was, it was kaput. No more Bungie. Yep. Kind of a bummer too, because Halo 1 was incredible. For Halo its time. 2 is, is, is probably my one of my favorite all-time... Uh, games to play the campaign on and yep. you know i don't know the new halo is good so oh yeah i love it you know they, they righted the ship with it at least which is yeah. which is rad so i won't talk shit about halo i love it i love it no matter what all right well that's that on the uh on the the sony train let's get them out of here and and whatnot let's move on to the next one what you got all right and just like you see them all over everywhere there is news coming out that the rock is gonna do another video game movie adaptation so far, okay. he's been, I mean, I'm going to hold my judgment until I see Black Adam um, as how he does there. I mean, so far, those trailers are pretty awesome. Like, he's a good actor. You can't. That's why he's in everything. That's why you see him everywhere you look. Um, yeah. The one thing I was curious about, just because this came up and I was like, OK, let's see where this goes, is. There's been countless video game adaptations which ones would you rate the worst and which ones maybe came out and were the best because right now they're keeping it under wraps on what they're actually doing he's just saying you know he's friends with microsoft he's friends with bill gates they're in the works with something but in the works with something for him can mean it's coming out in 2026 who the hell knows um but i was just curious it just sparked that question in my head what are some of your top favorites least maybe like top three worst top three favorites and i mean with uncharted coming out too we'll see how tom holland does with his video game adaptation with mr marky mark see how that goes i don't know if i can do top threes on each one but i can definitely say like probably the worst video game adaptation um i don't know there's 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 a couple you know mortal Kombat annihilation is a as a classic one 
that movie is hot garbage. Even though I won't lie, like I love that movie, but it is not a good movie. Um, you know, the first the first Mortal Kombat was so good, and the second was such a letdown. Um, there's but but there's been so many bad adaptations. Like they did they did a Far Cry movie, and I couldn't even finish it. It was so bad. It was what that dude um, with like that thick ass accent. Yeah, like ooh like, ball or whatever he yeah. made and and no. But as far as best ones, I mean I think we saw like the two best ones just recently. Doom. Doom. Number one, Doom. You think Doom, which Tough. was the rock? Total joke. Okay. Good. Good. I don't get me wrong, dude. Doom Doom came out on DVD. I bought it. I loved it. As just a generic, like a generic action movie. Yeah, it was good. Doom was perfectly fine. Yeah, and I really liked when they showed uh, a first-person view. Yeah, that for that little first Carl Urban. Cool. Yeah, dude, that was fucking dope. And then to see Pinky, I was happy. But, I don't know. Doom is a silly ass game, so it's a silly ass movie. So they did well. I think the two best video game movies. I think that one one is pretty consistently considered this, and that's Detective Pikachu. Detective Pikachu yeah. is a great movie, um, especially for like a video game adaptation or or just, you know, a movie based on a video game. It's fantastic. Yeah. The other one that I really enjoyed, and I think this is where people are going to stray away from my opinion on this. I know where you're going. Um, with this. I really, really enjoyed the Sonic movie. Yeah, once they fixed his face. Sonic the Hedgehog movie, I think, was fantastic. I think the casting was perfect. Um, just the scenes were good. You know, I know that they kind of got bullied into remaking Sonic, which I think was the right choice. I think had they not gone back and redesigned Sonic, that movie would not be nearly as successful as it was. You know, the sequel looks fantastic. They've got Knuckles coming. They've got, you know, more Tales. You know, I think that Sonic was just a ton of fun. My son and I went and watched it in theaters. It was a ton of fun. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, so, I mean, I, I know a lot of people like, you know, talk smack on it, but I, I don't know. I really like, I really like the Sonic movie and I think Detective Pikachu was excellent as well. So those are probably my two favorite ones. Okay. So I'm going to go worst to best. Okay. So classic worst video, terrible adaptation, Mario brothers. Oh, that's one of those ones that's so bad. It's good though. It's so bad. It's good. I'm going to say Ninja Turtles was so bad, it's good. Is that really a video game Mario. I mean, well, they had the side-scroller. If you ever go to any arcade in the 90s. I, I don't know that regular. I would consider that a video game adaptation. Like, no, but in general, yeah. I don't know, Mario, the Goombas, everything about it. Resident it Evil movies. Just, they were good. Oh. I like them. I don't like all of them. Oh, I like no. the first one. I like the first one. First one's pretty good. Oh, you know what? There's another one that I did not watch. The Rock was in a bad was one. Better, the Rock dude. was in a bad one. He was in Rampage. That was pretty bad. But he was also in Doom. There was another one that I did not watch that I heard was absolutely terrible, and it was the Monster Hunter movie. Yeah, I saw it with um, Jovovic. Wait, you did go see it? The- no, 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 oh, no. Okay. So I saw the trailer, and I'm like, oh, this can't be real. I'm like, this can't be real. Another Resident Evil. And it was like Monster Hunter. I'm like, we what? Should, we should just watch that. Like, we should just like watch I'm that down. one together and just like record, I guess, like our our thoughts in that movie, because I have not heard anything good about it. 
I'm totally down because I saw the trailer and I got kind of excited. Yes. Just and, and that the was the last time I heard about it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to say worst Mario Brothers, but it's also a cult classic movie now. So you can't really touch it. But of recent years, I mean, Resident Evil just went on too long. It was just too many of them. Um, so I would probably go with those. There's not a whole lot to pick from, to be oh, honest with you. There are so I'm many sure. to pick from. Not that I've seen. Uh, not that like I can the, recall. The movies. I have not seen the last oh, one. With the, I have not seen the last one that was not Angelina Jolie. I guess. I mean, I guess to be movie. honest. Yeah, to be honest, they're so forgettable <laughs> that I forgot about them. Because like Tomb Raider with Angelina Jolie is garbage. There was Hitman Agent okay. Forty Seven. Oh, man, you're, you're just bringing me back to I can't believe I watched all these. Street Fighter Legend of Chun-Li is terrible. It's the chick from Smallville. Doesn't make any damn sense. <laughs> so they, they basically whitewashed Street Fighter. Now, Street Fighter I'd back in the day with Jean-Claude Van. Yeah, I mean, look at Dragon Ball Evolution. Street, Ball, Street Fighter back in the day with M. Bison and Mr. Jean-Claude Van Damme. That was good. That was a solid-ass movie. Fun. So it seems like 80s early 90s adaptations were exactly what you want. They were campy. They were over the top. They were perfect. Nowadays, they're taking themselves too seriously. They want to do it justice and they don't. They drop the ball constantly. Agent 47 was OK. It was just another assassin movie. It's like watching Transporter. Yeah, That's what it felt like that. Yeah, old Jason it wasn't Pizza terrible. Movie. It was not a good adaptation of the of the, the game, but it wasn't a bad just action. movie. And it's my boy, Timothy Oliphant too, bringing him up again yeah. for the second time today. Like, he's a great actor. I love it. Like, Justified is a solid show. And that just, it was whatever. It was just a whatever movie. Yeah, yeah. there's been a, there's so been a lot of bad ones. But what do you think? What do you think The Rock's going to be in? What's what's the next one? What Who is he going to play? I'm trying to think, because they're already doing a live action Halo show, which I'm super pumped on. Look cool. Beginning of, Mar- beginning of March, by the yeah, way. The trailer looks cool. Um, yeah, it looks dope. I'm not mad at all. Uh, the only thing I didn't like is seeing a Chevy like truck in the background and like, oh, I didn't know that was going to be around in like the next 50, 60, 70, whatever years in the future it is. I didn't even. Uh, yeah, it's it's a detail, you know, they're going to scrub out before the show releases. But I don't know. Microsoft games that The Rock could be the main character in video not game adaptation yeah, that's also true because this is just speculation because he's friends with. Right. And Uncharted's taken because Tom Holland's doing that. What if we'll he plays Ganondorf in a Zelda movie? Who the hell would play? I have so many questions. Who would play Link? Let's be, let's be, let's be honest. The most likely game that it would be is Call of Duty. That's what the I'm most likely too, game yeah. is going to be Call of Duty or like maybe like a, a Gears of War movie. Him and Batista in a Gears of War movie. I like that. You know, I could totally see that. Him as, Fe- him as Phoenix and uh, Batista as Dom. You know, I could totally him see Fe- that because, you know, for Gears of War especially, you have to have bulky people. And him and Batista yeah, are all bulky massive. people. So, you know, that could work. Hopefully it's just not Fortnite. That would be weird. That would be so <laughs> weird. That game's already weird enough. I couldn't imagine. No, I would. I honestly, 
I didn't even think about Gears of War. Gears of War or Call of Duty would be Call of Duty would just be another war movie. It wouldn't really make yep. sense. But Gear, Gears of War with his size and the people they can bring in to act with him, that would be good. Yep. That would be my pick is, is Gears of War. Be, yeah. Makes the most sense. That would be cool to watch. And I love those yeah, games. Yeah, I think that if it was a Gears of War movie, I think that'd be a lot more enticing. It's a lot more interesting than, than Chris Pratt as Mario, so. God, yeah. Bring him up again. Jeez. <laughs> All right. Let's talk. Let's do it. We're going to finish this one up. And just like last time, we're going to wrap this one up with the question of the show. And so if you would like to send us a question, we actually have our website set up. You can get there. It's uh, battlebornggaming.com or battlebornggamingpodcast.com. On there, there's a pretty little button that says contact, and you can go there and you can send us your questions. You can also reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, um, in my streams. Uh, you know, there's plenty of places to get questions to us. The website's probably the easiest. You just go there, you click on contact, you put in your information there real quick, and it sends a message directly to my cellular device. And we will answer, we will feature it. As long as it's not a bad question, we have no problem featuring it on a podcast in the future. But today's question is from Beautiful Gene on Reddit r slash ask games. Moser, walk us through the question, man. Okay, and if I misstep or stumble, I apologize. I haven't read in public since college. All right. Is it normal to feel guilt, shame for lowering the difficulty mid playthrough? Here's the question. I get that games exist for my enjoyment, not my completion within some arbitrary set of constraints. But sometimes it feels like I get stuck in ruts where a game isn't enjoyable because I can't find a suitable difficulty. Sometimes there comes a point where sticking to my current difficulty feels like a chore. But then I feel like I'm a quitter failing myself when I drop it down a notch. I'm not even playing competitively or going for trophies, speedruns, etc. It just feels like I'm cheating myself or am too dumb to figure out what other players had trouble with. No trouble with. Sorry. If a game is just poorly made or isn't a good fit for me to its core, I have no problem walking away. This is mainly a problem in games that I develop sunk cost for. If I'm 20 hours into an RPG, I want to see how it ends, but I don't want to bang my head against the wall. But I don't want to out myself as a useless baby who can't figure out the solution on the difficulty I started on either. My most recent example is Mass Effect 3. I was playing on normal for the first 12 hours or so, then unwittingly locked myself into the Aria DLC before I was ready for it. After getting sick of all the robots who took too long to kill and insta-killed me for taking one step out of the cover, I dropped a casual to get out of the quest. When I flipped back to normal, it still felt like regular enemies everywhere else were taking too long. I got spoiled by the drop to casual. Now I'm 20 hours in and it feels like I dug myself into too deep to get out and learn anything. It feels like I was too stupid to figure out the game on a reasonable difficulty level and had to bide behind a security blanket. I wasn't playing the game to brag to anyone else, but it feels like I failed myself and can't live it down. Is this sort of mindset normal? How often do you have to lower the difficulty mid playthrough? Sorry, the question was long. I did my best. No, you did fine, man. And it's a good question because I don't feel like that. The answer to that question is black and white, you know? No, not at all. I think not that you pay. I don't know. They, they put difficulty levels in the game for a reason. You paid for the game. 
you might as well play it the way that you want to play it. I, I don't see a problem in that. Um, I know me personally, if I start a game at a certain difficulty, you know, it, it, sometimes I really want to just play it at that difficulty. I want to push myself. I want to get better. You know, sometimes the rewarding feeling of, of getting better and, and getting past it is worth it. But I have more than once dropped the difficulty down, even if it's just because I get to a point where like, I don't know if I'm going to finish this because it's too long. Dropping the difficulty helps me get through things faster. I, I mean, I've never felt any kind of shame in doing that. And I don't think anybody else should either. Oh, I totally agree. So i lay out the scene for you. I boot up a game. It pops up difficulty. If it's already on normal, it's staying on normal. Yeah. Um, I have before dropped it down to like the uh, just a notch below normal. I've gone above it just to see what it's like. But I've never had the mindset of going into a game like I'm sticking to this, whatever. I stick to normal. I feel like I play the game as it was intended to be played by the general spectrum of the audience, right? Like the general percentage of whatever everybody plays on normal, right? Um, there was times when I was younger, I definitely jumped in, dropped the difficulty, beat the boss, put the difficulty back up and continued. Oh, yeah um the one game i that sticks it's it burned in my memory as a child is playing wolfenstein and if you recall they had the witty set levels of difficulty yeah. like easy go get your mom normal was like okay i guess you're here for something and then of course like hard and difficult or whatever were set at like you're gonna die you're not gonna make it 30 seconds blah 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 um that's burned in my memory for playing that on a pc when i was like six seven years old and I was like, well, I'll just never change it from normal because this one, he's, he doesn't insult me. So, <laughs> um, but there's absolutely nothing wrong if you just want to get past a boss, especially a boss that might not be a major character in the game, but you're just having difficulty for some reason. Drop it down, kick the boss's ass, drop it back up. Or leave yeah, it. Don't even I do mean, that. If you're comfortable, if you, you're paying for a game, you need to enjoy yep. it. If dropping the difficulty down or bringing it up makes you enjoy it more, yep. do that. I, I am 100% the person to like, you know, especially like an RPG game, you know, Tales of Arise. I want to play it and I haven't done it yet. But, you know, like a lot of these games, they introduced a, a difficulty slider for the story, you know, recommended for players who come to RPGs for the story first and the combat second. I think that's beautiful because, you know, a lot of those yeah. games are incredibly long. And so if I can just go and not have to worry about grinding and dealing with a bunch of the combat then I get to hear, you know, if I can just experience the story, that's awesome. You know, I know that's not how everybody plays it, but, you know, certain games, I, I think that it's cool that they have that option. You know, I think it's cool that they have yeah. very hard, you know, I know some people like to prove their, you know, prove what they can accomplish in, in a hard game. I'm not that person. I was probably that person when I was younger, but the older I get and the less time that I, you know, the less free time I have, the less I care about it. I, I you just want to enjoy yourself. Yep. I, I really think that you're right. You know, if you pay for the game, the game is designed to be enjoyed. You know, if the if the developers designed it with a certain difficulty in mind, that's fine. You know, try it out at the difficulty. But if it's not for you, I don't think that anybody should feel guilt or shame for lowering their difficulty mid playthrough. I think that's just elitist bullshit. You know, and, and so if anybody says that, you know, or gives you any kind of you know smack about lowering the difficulty it's not their money you paid your money if they want to play that way they can play that way but it's not it's not their money it's your money 
Yeah, and certain things I do like is there are games out there I've played where if you die over and over and over again on a specific boss or level, they'll either give you the option to be like, are you sure you don't want to lower the difficulty? Maybe tr- chug through this and then you can always go back. Or there's a handful of games I remember playing, I believe Ninja Gaiden back in the day, that if you constantly died, the next time you came back, you didn't even know, but they had set it at the lower. They dropped your difficulty down. Then all of a sudden you're playing and you're like, oh my God, this is so much easier. Everything's getting great. I don't like that. I was, that's what I was going to ask is what's your opinion on automatically dropping it down so you can play through it or just giving you the option, like the prompt, like, do you want to lower no, the difficulty? I mean, I think it I, doesn't have to be some prompt, condescending thing. I think the prompt is fine, but I think automatically doing it without any kind of notice is, is not right. PlayStation, PlayStation, yeah, PlayStation 2 games, um, from what I recall that I played, because I always played really obscure games, um, had a real good track record of just dropping the difficulty. If you, kept, if you died it like five times, you come back and you're like, man, that was so much easier Then you pop into the menu and you're on easy. And you're like, what the hell? Yeah, I'm not into that at all. Yeah. Um, not a fan of that whatsoever. Um, I don't know. Like, I think that you should always have that option. You know, you should always have the option to play the game how you want to play it. And I think that a game, you know, arbitrarily raising or lowering the difficulty, you know, because you're not performing or overperforming. I'm, I'm definitely more for it raising difficulty because you're over overperforming. Um, but I, I think that lowering it because, you know, at the same time, like if you want to learn to get better, how do you do that if the game's getting easier for you? I mean, you can only drop it down to easy. You can't go lower than that. Right. But so. like if, if, you know, I don't know, like some games, I wouldn't mind going down to easy to get through it and, and then continue on with my day. But there's been other games where I wanted to be good at the game. And, and so that would not be a good that would not make me feel good about the game at all so i'm not here yeah, for that like, one. yeah no i would say uh bottom line answer the question is it's your it's your game do what you want do what makes you happy do what makes you enjoy it enjoy yourself if you enjoy going through hell to try to beat a game go through hell and beat a game you want an easy nice walkthrough storyline driven easy combat but have fun have fun who cares and, and i 100 because you know the, the big argument that you hear all the time is like that's not how the developers intended it to be played i guarantee you that the developers would prefer somebody has fun playing the game versus playing it in their quote-unquote intended way yeah oh. and keep in mind for anybody that says that specific thing developers want to give you the option to lower or raise the difficulty if they didn't have intention of somebody doing uh, that. I don't think that's entirely diff- true because, you know, I think that there's just accessibility options, but I don't think it matters. Yeah. I don't think it matters. You know, like so, oh. a lot of games, when you start out the difficulty, it says this is the intended, the intended way, you know, like, um, you know, that's typically what normal is a standard difficulty level recommended for people who, you know, yeah. um, you know, I think the game is based or built based around that mode, you know, so going, to lower you know maybe not there but it doesn't matter i think that it's more more important to the developers for people who bought their game to enjoy their game than it is for them to play it a certain style a certain way you know you don't make games to that's what i'm saying a like, way. yeah it'd be a handful of developers i feel or people in general that would be like oh no it's only intended for this i just if 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 you enjoy lower difficulty and that's what makes you have fun then do yeah. it if you enjoy higher, then do it. If you enjoy normal, do it. Who yep. cares? With that Don't being feel said, shame for doing. With that it. being said, I do support not having 
a lower difficulty in certain games. You know, I think that's, you know, I, I don't know if there, I can't remember. I don't think there was like a lower difficulty in Bloodborne. I think it was pretty much like, this is the standard one or the hard one. Same with the Dark Souls yeah. games, you know. It's like, it's kind of, yeah, Souls games, Souls games, never. Nothing. I'm cool with that too. You know, I'm fine with that as well because, yeah. you know. When you buy that game, you know what you're exactly. But I don't think anybody should make you feel bad. And if you do, if they do, then they're not worth you spending your time on or talking about video games with. Video games are an escape, a way to feel happy. And if that, if, if lowering it to easy is what gets you there, then all the power to you. Lit. Do it, please. Enjoy yourself. Yep. Have fun. Buy more games. Play yep. more games. Talk about it's more games. All, it's a lot easier to get through some games when you go down to easy. If you just want to get through them so you can talk about the game, than it is, you know, playing at the normal rate, you know, the normal difficulties or the hard difficulties. Drop that little bitch to easy and get through it real quick. You know, move on to the next one. That's a big thing for people right. with Game Pass. You know, there's so many games coming out on Game Pass. Don't be afraid to drop those games down to easy if they have the option and play through them real quick. There's going to be another game to play in a week. So, yep, exactly. Cool. I mean, I think that's it, though. This was another successful uh, pod that we have casted. Yeah, we smashed through that question, though. That was a good question. This has been a good one, man. This was fun. This was enjoyable. We should do this again sometime. Yeah, this is, this is, yeah, I, yeah, I would say so. Let's do this again. Maybe we'll do this again next week. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good to me. You know where I'll be. I may have a week off. You know, coming up, like I said, wife and I are going to be going out for a weekend, and I, I may not be doing anything that weekend, but. Yeah, hopefully uh, anybody, any questions, any whatever, what, anything you want us to talk about, feel free to, like, shoot us a message, either of us or whatever. Yes, please do. If you have feedback, Definitely. good yeah. or bad, if it's bad, I mean, you can share it. I'll probably ignore it, but um, any kind of feedback, any kind of questions, you know, battlebornegaming.com battleboardgamingpodcast.com um we are on twitter we got them twitter fingers it's battleborn pod so at battleborn pod on twitter yeah and on, on instagram it's on instagram we are battle at battleborn gaming podcast so check us out there follow us there we put little videos out on the instagram uh, we're not super active on the Twitter as of right now, but like I said, any kind of questions you guys may have, you can reach out to us in either one of those. The messages will go straight to our phones. Same with the website, go to the contact us page, um, you know, come straight to the phones. We'll get those things added into the next podcast. And uh, hopefully soon we'll have more than, you know, we'll have a couple questions to go through. That'd be kind of fun. So yeah, definitely uh, scrounge the interweb, see what we can find that are uh Get us into a good debate, yep. maybe back and forth on it. Maybe something we don't agree on. Yep. Maybe find something like that. And also, if you were interested, if you were interested in, in hanging out with us and doing a little podcast with us, let us know. Reach out to us. You know, you've got us on the socials. You're in Discord. You can reach out through the website, through any of the social medias. If you want to be part of the podcast, let us know. You know, we have that guest spot open and ready to use. So. Yep, definitely. Cool. Got a couple people in mind for uh, the future, awesome. so let's see how that shakes out. Sounds good. All right, man. Well, this was fun. Talk to you again next week, and um, all of you beautiful listeners out there, thank you so much for your time hanging out with us. I hope that you guys enjoyed it, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. See ya. Yeah, y'all take care. Bye.